Athlete Mindset is part of the CadSource Podcast Network. At CadSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CadSource on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the CadSource Podcast Network. This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast, and it's all about mental health in sports. Presented and produced by Sports Eat Plus, part of the CadSource Podcast Network. Athlete Mindset is hosted by Lisa Bontasumi. Lisa is a therapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. Lisa also works with teams, coaches, and other members of the sports ecosystem. The Athlete Mindset Podcast is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazimov, founder of CadSource and the creator of Sports C+. I'm hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. So Michelle Alozi, I'm so happy to have you here to chat and to get to know you more and how my listeners get to know you more. You're a pro footballer, soccer player in the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League. You are forward for the Houston Dynamo. So just thank you for being here. I know you're a busy lady, but just happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to be on here. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, tell us a little bit about your road to where you are in soccer? Like, were you one of those players that started when you were like five and then like went through the ranks? Like, tell us a little bit about how it all started. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm one of those players that started, I think, when I was like three or something. But just being Nigerian, it's just been in our blood. Like, we knew everyone was going to place any level of soccer regardless of what it Uh is. So yeah, I started really young. I was in just like a little rec league and then I got into club. And then that was kind of when my parents kind of saw that I had like potential and that I could like definitely go and hopefully get like a free education for it. Um, Maybe not pro, but they definitely thought for sure a free education. And then I just like loved it so much. So then I knew that I really wanted to be professional with it. So uh, going through the whole like college um, admission stuff and just trying to get signed to one of the colleges. I just wanted to like get signed, get get my degree and then go pro. And so I feel like that's kind of what drove me through my whole entire collegiate career. And then went overseas for a little bit and then ended up at, at Houston. Yeah. Gotcha. Got, no, thanks for sharing that. I mean, <laughs> I think it's funny. I mean, you're like, being Nigerian, we're all going to play. Like, is your family a whole family of soccer players? Yeah, no, literally like my parents played when they were younger. They did oh, soccer. Wow track like all of my sisters played also up into college like they could have played in college but they decided not to and so it's like literally like my whole entire family everyone has at least played some level of soccer gotcha gotcha so i'm hearing you say you wanted to play maybe get a free education like sign with the college i mean you probably could have signed with any college and there's a lot of high level soccer at the collegiate level why did you choose Yale University. 
honestly, mostly for the name. I'm not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I did have, like, a few really good, quote-unquote, good schools um, for soccer that I could have gone to, but I would have either, like, gotten only, like, one year paid for. Like, there, it wasn't, like, any full rides or it would have been, like, a recruited walk-on because I was really late in my college journey. I think at the time, people were verbally committing for college when they were like freshman or eighth grade. And I was doing that kind of when I was like a junior. So every school that I was talking to, they were just saying like, we have no money anymore for my class, unfortunately. And so me and my parents were kind of just talking. They're like, well, I guess if you're not going to get your soccer paid for, you might as well just go to the Ivy League where they don't have any athletic scholarships. Um, They don't do it on a financial basis. So they're like, if no one's going to pay for your college, you might as well just go to Yale and and just get a really good degree. And I was really hesitant with it, honestly, because like you don't hear about, you know, people going pro from Yale or mm-hmm. or from the Ivy League in general. So it definitely was kind of a leap of faith. But I think talking to the then coach Rudy kind of just you make every situation what you want to make it. So like if I haven't heard of someone going pro from Yale, then like I could be the first person to go pro. Like it can always be like a groundbreaking, breaking thing, you know? So, yeah. And was it, Michelle? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think going there grew me in other ways that I might not have grown if I had gone to kind of like the quote-unquote like feeder schools, like the UNCs or USCs or the FSUs, you know? And I feel like it really built my character and kind of made me a little bit more of like a leader which I think I was lacking. I feel like I kind of just like would go with the flow and kind of just do whatever uh, when I was younger. So like uh-huh. going, going to Yale and kind of being like one of the very few athletes in general that wanted to go pro, I feel like like really grew me as, as a leader and, and as a person. Uh-huh. Well, I think it's... Again, I'm using the word funny. It's not funny. It's interesting and I'm noticing that your parents were like, well, if you're not going to get a scholarship... You might as well get a good education. Let's go to Yale. I'm like, it's not as easy as that. I mean, like, you can't just sign up for Yale, right? Like, what was your, like, academic experience and career leading up to college and what made you kind of believe and know that you could not only just get into Yale, but be successful as a student athlete there? Yeah, um, academics honestly came quite easy to me, thankfully. I don't think that I necessarily like had to really try that hard to keep up with um, the academics just at my school. I just went to like a public school throughout my whole um, youth. So I feel like I was just confident with myself academically. <laughs> so I like to classes. Like I was like, okay, like I'm not struggling with these. Like I think that I could, was, like, as long as you like study, I'm sure it's like not that hard. That's kind of what I, what, what I thought. And I honestly like, I personally really didn't know that much about Yale at the time. Like, again, like my public school didn't really like, um, it didn't really like advertise going to like an Ivy, like a big Ivy League or going to Stanford. Like they kind of advertise going to like the UCs or CSUs and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which are great universities, but they just never really talked to us much about like the really, really big name ones. So I was just like, oh, like whatever. It's just Yale. I don't know. Like that was kind of like my head (laughs) my head when I when I decided to go there. 
Um, and it wasn't until I got there that I feel like I like understood kind of like the magnitude that is the Ivy League and that is Yale University. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, it's cool to be naive on some level. You don't get intimidated. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. <laughs> you have that like blind confidence. Like, I yeah. this. let me just try. I love that. And you, know, you said the UCs and the CSU. So, you know, Michelle is, you know, native Californian. So those are the University of California and California State Universities. But like, no, there's a level of confidence that sounds like was taught to you and modeled for you very young that like, go for it. Mm-hmm. Is that true? No, 100%. I feel like it's kind of just in the Nigerian um, fight in our and like our belief system is that like, as long as you're working hard, like you can really do whatever you want. And it's like really only you who can stop you from doing these things. And I definitely was instilled with that at a very young age. And like, I definitely think it's just part of my culture. Like we are just like, we're never backing down from any type of situation. And I feel like we'll like rather like crawl out of something than to ever say that we can't do it. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I think I've just been like that since, since I was a kid. Wow. Like the belief system, the culture. Yes. Values, right. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm going to have you say it though, but what did you, <laughs> what was your major at Yale? Yeah, I majored in molecular, cellular, and developmental biology, uh, BS. And, and so when you, <laughs> so break, break that down for those of us who are like, who barely can even, like myself, barely pronounce the degree, but like, what does it put you in position to do uh, later? How do you use a degree like that? Mostly, well, most people who at uh, Yale who were, the shortened version is just MCDB who are MCDB majors, they usually go into the medical fields, whether it's like biotech or go to med school. Some people go into law, but mostly it's like the path that you go into for pre-med. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. And as a MCDC major and playing soccer, like tell us like one of the most challenging moments in your college career as a student athlete and how you coped with it? Honestly, it might be. I think <laughs> with that major, I feel like most people can relate to that our um, science majors was going through and trying to do like biochem or trying to do like the physics rec- <laughs> requisites like <laughs> during the season. Oh man, I think I I took like my first biochem test like my junior or sophomore year and I like failed it. And I mean like... <laughs> I think I got like a 13%. Like it was crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this is the middle of the season. Like I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I need to like change majors or do I have to get a BA and not a BS? Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I can't do this. And like just having to decide to like take that class over the summer, which then like stopped me from like going and doing like an internship or doing a semi pro league over the summer. Like instead, I had to like stay at Yale and take this class. Like, I just remember like, oh my gosh, like, am I like screwing up or like, why is this like so hard for me? Like, I like, was like, usually these things aren't that hard for me. Like what's going on? I think that was a big, big struggle for me. But I know, like, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I had teammates who also ended up doing it with me, which made me feel obviously a lot more better about myself. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that was definitely a struggling time. Um, No. and an athlete. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, not just the major, but the athlete, but putting it together. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I think mm-hmm. it's important that people can hear that you're human too and that you don't just arrive. You know, like there's adversity you have to face. 
Oh, definitely. Um, you know what I mean? 13%. I appreciate that. 13%. <laughs> I remember because I was like, I didn't even think. I feel like professor should have just given me pity points to get like at least a 40. <laughs> like at least I'm still failing. But a 13, I was like, whoa. <laughs> right. Maybe that was for points for putting your name down. Who knows? It might have been. <laughs> I might have gotten the date wrong also. <laughs> 13, I know. What does it mean to represent you know, be a part of and have representation as a female, you know, a Nigerian female in the NWSL. What does that mean to you? It's honestly amazing. I feel like it's growing steadily. Just people that look like me, like just Black women in the pro leagues here. Um, Obviously, it's like not enough and who knows if it ever will be enough. But I love being able to go to like Houston Dash games and have like these little girls with these cute little braid dudes, like come and say like, hi, like I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, oh my God, your braids are so beautiful. And just like, you know, reinstilling like any type of, you know, like insecurity that I may have had when I was younger and just like showing them that they're beautiful and they can 100% be where I am. I love that. And especially being in a community like Houston, where it is heavily populated with POCs, um, it's just like amazing to like, just be a part of Houston and to be able to, you know, be with these groups and with these younger girls and and kind of just like show them that they can definitely be here too. No, that's great. It's great. I mean, you're a role model, you know, and it sounds like you welcome that role. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. Oh, good. <laughs> what do you love about it? What do you love about it? I mean, that I can like be just... pressured, right, Michelle? That can be a pressure yeah. on somebody, right? Or like mm-hmm. an extra thing that like, really, do I have to do this? But what is it about you and like that that you get so much from it? And what is it that you get exactly? I think I just love being able to help people and try to like mentor them because going through it myself, obviously with um, expat parents, they were obviously trying to like figure out their lives. So it was hard for them to kind of understand what we were going through growing up, especially like me trying to aspire to be a professional soccer player, even though I didn't know it at first. It was like, I wish I had a mentor. And so to be able mm. to like give it to these people, whether they need it or not, or just like giving them these random tips that hopefully help them. Um, I just, I love that. And, and I really hope that it, it, it can benefit them in any way. Yeah. It sounds like as humans, like on and off the field or just, you know, your life, their life, mm-hmm. being able to be in that position to actually even have that conversation is... is no, exactly. Sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. You, during the season, not just play professionally, but you have a job. Mm -hmm. What is your job? And and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I'm a research technician at the Baylor School of Medicine um, and Texas Children's Hospital. I'm in a pediatrics and oncology lab. And so it's like a wet lab and I just do cancer research on a specific cancer called AML. And it has like one of the highest populations in pediatrics. And it's just like not studied that much. There's not enough funding for it, unfortunately. And so I'm just there like trying to help these children get through their cancers and hopefully get into remission. Wow. So as a researcher, are you a, a doctor? No, I wish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like okay. my boss is uh, like an MD, PhD. So she's the doctor. She's the the doctor with everything. So you yeah. just work under her and like help her through the lab. Okay. I mm-hmm. mean, what's your dream, your dream job? Like once maybe, you know, 
soccer is over for you for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Do you imagine yourself working in the medical field and in what capacity? Yeah, I always loved the medical field and I like had a dream of being a cardiologist when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I still have that. I did like my whole senior thesis in a cardiothoracics lab at Yale. And so it's definitely a field that I would love to be in, whether that be like an MD in it or researching in it. I definitely want to be in that field. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you worked hard enough to, you know, in the classroom and in internships and all of this to like be able to, I mean, we need you. We need people who look like you. We need people who care about the populations that maybe other doctors or groups of people don't care about. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, really valuable. I know that you know that part of, you know, holistic care is important for humans, athletes, children, you know, how do you define your own mental health or how do you describe your own mental health? Mm -hmm. Well, on that point though, with what you're saying about the stigma, I feel like coming from um, African parents, I feel like there is a little bit of a stigma in it just in our whole entire culture. And it's kind of like, like if you're not like happy, like what is there really to not be happy about? And like, why are you not happy type of thing? Like if there's not, a reason like if there's no cause and effect if there's no like direct line then it's like there is no line if that makes sense that's what they mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. and i'm really glad with how mental health is is shaping up now and realizing that it obviously is okay to not be okay and being able to kind of reach out to people when you need help i think right now like how my mental health is is that like i just I'm doing things that genuinely make me happy. And if for some reason something doesn't make me happy, I try to remove myself from it. And if I can't, then I try to like talk to someone to help me with that situation, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if like actually like recently, like a couple months ago, I had like a really big, almost like imposter syndrome with like mm-hmm. how I was like doing everything, like how I was like um, with the Nigerian national team, and I'm with Houston Dash, and I'm with uh, my research lab, and there's like so much like press coming on me at the time, and I kind of just like was like like what what am I doing here? Like I shouldn't be here. Like people are thinking that like something different is going on, and I'm like actually not handling all of this like so well. Like it just seems that I'm like handling everything so well, but obviously there's a lot of ups and downs. And right when I was feeling this way, I like talked to my my doctor at the research lab and kind of told her that I had to back away from the research lab because I felt like I was going to burn out in these other aspects of Mm. my life I really love. And just being able to have that open conversation and for her to hear me and like understand it is like amazing. And um, it was just like a little thing that helped me mentally not burn out and, and not feel like an imposter in my own life. So I feel like just being really like in tune with yourself in tune with myself really kind of just helps me daily with with my with my mental health with everything that I'm doing. Yeah, no, that's thank you so much for sharing that. I think what you're talking about is like, yeah, having that self-awareness about like when I start to feel a certain way, this isn't actually good for me. Yeah. Setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. and, and like talking to someone to help you set the boundary that you decide you want to do. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. we can't do it all on our own, right? So I think that's great. That's awesome. What do you do for fun? For you know, I, I know playing soccer is fun, but there's so many things you know that go into it, right? Like, 
What What's like a perfect day for Michelle? Perfect day for me would be like early training. Mm-hmm. And then after training, I'd go get like brunch with my friends because I love food. <laughs> and then after that, we'd go and hit like every thrift store, consignment store there is. And we would just like go shopping and find really cute outfits. And then we'd like go around the town and take photos in those outfits. That'd be like my perfect day. Like I just love fashion. I love taking photos. Like it's just like so fun to me. (laughs) That is so cool. Can I join you guys? No, just kidding. (laughs) So what what's a perfect brunch? Like what do you like to eat? Like what just like makes your your tummy and your your face smile really big for brunch? Like what would what would it be? So either it's like my savory option would be like a really good like breakfast sandwich. Like I've been like vegan for like two years and I like, okay. stopped, stopped during like the off season. So now I'm trying to be vegan again. So like okay. during my vegan days, it was like this really good breakfast sandwich um, from this bakery nearby actually. And then that would just be it for my savory. But for sweet, it would have to be like like a quadruple stack of just like pancakes, like plain pancakes, um, no butter, but just like a crap ton of syrup. Like <laughs> That is like all I need, like nothing else. And just like a lot of orange juice. Like I'm really simple, but like, oh, that would make my day. That is so cool. (laughs) I love how you broke it down. Well, for my savory option. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have two. Yeah. And so how did you start to appreciate or love or like fall in love with with fashion? Like where where did that come from? Honestly, I feel like it came, like I've always liked to like dress up and kind of like, have to have people's like attention honestly and just uh-huh. be like, oh whoa like what is she wearing so I feel like I always liked that and then when I came to Houston and they did like their outfit walks you know the pregame walks I was like mm-hmm. oh wait this is this could be really really fun and I feel like that's kind of when I try to get like my style really into it and bring that into into those outfits that I that I wear so I think that's really where it came from that's cool that's mm-hmm. cool and how would you describe your style? I feel like I'm like multiple styles. Like one day I'm like super like sporty, super like tomboy. And then the next day I'll be in like stiletto pumps and a mini micro skirt and like a tube top. Like uh-huh, <laughs> really uh-huh. like 90s, vintage 90s look. So um, uh-huh. I love like playing around and kind of like doing all types of styles and just like keep everyone guessing on, on what I'd wear next. <laughs> that is so cool. And I didn't hear you say like, I need to wear this brand or this name or this style, stylist. Like I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. It's like more like you're very creative about like putting this together, that together, going to thrift stores and going mm-hmm. hanging out with your girls. Like, I think that's cool because I think people think like, oh, professional athletes are about this and about that. But mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like that's you at all. No. And I feel like I feel like a lot of people are honestly stepping away from it. Like just because it's name brand doesn't mean like it's amazing. Like I love finding those like random janky pieces at the bottom of like a goodwill barrel that like no one knows of and has never seen before instead of like Dolce and Gabbana vests that like everyone has. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's extra cool points if if no one can have it. <laughs> yeah, it's unique. It's unique. Mm-hmm. I know that it's really important for you to be able to have, you know, be accessible to young girls coming up. Like if you had the opportunity to like sit in a room with young girls, maybe like middle school into early high school, you know, of any shade of brown or black, what would you want 
to say to them or like, mm-hmm. what, based on your own experience as a woman in this world, what would you want to like bestow on them that you think would be really important? I think that like just overall that it's a hundred percent okay to be yourself. And I say that just because I feel like obviously there's such a magnifying glass on women in general, but then especially people of color. And so I feel like, okay, we have to like not be like too ghetto or you can't be like too loud or you can't be Mm. like, you have to be like, like soft and be like presentable. And you have to talk to these people and you have to like, and I don't really like that. Like, I feel that it just stops you from being you and it makes everyone kind of the same. And the beauty of everyone is that we're all different. And I feel like I, growing up, lost my identity because I was trying to be a part of the like PWI that I'm a part of. And and it seems to be like the road that is easy to follow. But honestly, you should just be yourself. And it's like 100% okay to be yourself. You'll find the people who are supposed to be your people when you're yourself instead of trying to fit into these other crowds. And like, I feel like you'll just have genuine happiness being yourself and not trying to conform to anyone else. And I feel like there's like beauty and just like being happy with like your true, true identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I mean, obviously, you know, you have arrived in our coming. We're all like developing and growing into ourselves all the time. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you've had a level of confidence as a young girl up to now, but like, how would you say, like, what is your personal mantra or mission statement or like rule you live by or rules you live by? Because now you're able to like give back and tell mm-hmm. people to, you know, encourage them to be themselves, find themselves, find what's comfortable. Like at this stage of your life, like how would you describe, you know, what guides you in that direction? What keeps you committed to being yourself? You know, what are the important aspects of 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 that do you live by right now? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I think it's like my growing relationship with God and not in a religious way, but just spiritually. Hmm. And I think that just trusting that he put me like into this position, into this world, just like who I am and, and what I am to this day. And obviously I'm still growing and developing, but mm-hmm. like this is who I am and like what I feel is okay to feel because he allowed me to feel it and what I think is okay to think because he allowed me to think it. So just kind of having that type of relationship and knowing that that who I am as a person is okay and there's like nothing wrong with me because like he made me perfect in his eyes, then it's like okay to just live every day and just be myself or like to be myself in this group and to not have to talk quieter to these people because that's not who I am and I'm just gonna be me because that's how that's how he made me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. Really personal. I think, you know, inspirational, like the point of, you know, something bigger than yourself, whether we call it God, Michelle, mm-hmm. you call it God. Yeah. There's a bigger sort of energy or, you know, whatever people want to call it that's bigger than ourselves and to like welcome that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Welcome that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know, it's been my pleasure to like get to know you a little bit more and to see you and show you off to the world that like you are dynamic, beautiful, 
strong, smart woman. I think it's amazing. And I think like everyone who's going to listen to this is going to be touched in some way. So I I really appreciate you being here with me. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. This is so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Athlete Mindset is part of the CadSource Podcast Network. At CadSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CadSource on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the CadSource Podcast Network. 